Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Living in the now, you need patience. And patience is a fruit of the Spirit. It's worked by God in our lives, not something we possess on our own. Now, sure, there may be some people who are more patient than others. Even an atheist might be patient. But real patience, biblical patience, it's a gift of God. And in that, there's this enduring aspect and long-suffering to all of this which goes through the world here and now. So living in the now requires a lot of patience. Because this world is sinful. And we're sinful people. The now is not yet what is to come. It's here, this very moment, and not an eternal joy. So when you start to think about all this, it's rather humbling, especially when you look at the now, and now is 2020. And we heard in Luke's Gospel on Sunday about the Son of Man coming in glory on the last day. And Jesus says something similar to that in the account from Mark tonight. And we heard about those terrible things in this world in the latter days. But there's something that we see when we consider this word of God before us this evening. God's teaching us. He's teaching us about the here and now as we go through this world as his people. It's called a repentance. But we also see that it's a great comfort in Christ, even now. So as Christians, then, you are always to be aware of what it means to live in the now and know what your future holds. Your now is lived in the future with the future in view. The not yet defines your now as Christians in this world. Still, though, you live in the now of today. You don't forget where God has placed you in this life as hearers of the word of God, as members of a family and as citizens. You don't simply, as Christians, say, well, I'm going to be in eternal life with Jesus, and that's what my life is going to be about. Well, that's a true statement, so I don't need to feed my kids. I don't need to go to work. I don't need to do those things. You're in this world still. But what separates you as believers, though, is this notion of being awake in the now. You're not complacent when it comes to the things of God. You are to pray without ceasing. You faithfully go to church to hear God's word and receive his sacraments. Otherwise, your faith will die. You'll get caught up in this world, and you'll perish. You're called to repent of your sin, to turn to Christ and the mercy that he gives as he has shed his blood for you. So living in the now is living as a baptized child of God. That's the reality Jesus teaches you. He calls you to stay awake, to be ready for that day when he comes in glory. Jesus said from Mark, But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. So being on guard and staying awake, it's a serious thing as you live in the now. 
This is your life now, and you don't know when the hour, when the last day will come. Live in the now, in view of the not yet. Repent. You see, there's this temptation to live now and define the now not by the not yet, but rather defining the not yet by the now, and it's a deadly one. It's easy to grow drowsy because the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And when you're in this world and your fallen flesh, they grow weary, they grow tired, and it doesn't want to find contentment in what God has done, what promises is coming when he returns again in glory. The book of Jude that we heard a few minutes ago provides a fascinating glimpse into the life of the church during his day which is for us now as well. There are these false teachers and teachings, and they were trying to steal Christ away from God's people. That's what false doctrine does. The people to whom Jude writes, they were under attack, and Jude points them to see through the lens of the cosmic reality of the angels who rebelled against God and the judgment of God and his wrath against those angels, and the same for people who continue in their sin. He warns them, saying, And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desires, served as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. And the other temptation that we have as we go through this world in the now is to forget that now is indeed now. It's to want Jesus as someone who's more of a concept that's far off rather than a person, God in the flesh who is still here. It's when we view him not according to his word, but rather about what we want him to be. It's to see the Christian faith as something not tangible. It's to view faith in a distant way where we are the ones that have to ascend to Jesus, or we have to find him in various places where he hasn't said he is to be. It's no wonder Jesus had to tell the people in the reading from Mark, for in those days there will be such tribulation has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut the days, no human being cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard. I have told you all these things beforehand. So that happens then when we separate finding and knowing Jesus apart from his word and sacraments right now, where he dwells with his people, where he's there for us. When we fail to live in the now defined by the not yet, when we think we can have Jesus on our own, on our own way, on our own terms, apart from the ways that he has instituted. So then beholding then your advent or coming Lord is not to simply see him then as distant, but still very near to you, who's even in our own time. At the ascension of Jesus, he didn't say, I'll see you guys on the flip side. Stay safe, guys. What did he say? He said, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
So your faith in Christ, who is coming, has come, and is here even now. That's what he gives to you. That's the wonderful thing that's now. That Jesus is still here now, and he's for you. In Psalm 16 we heard, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So there's joy to be found every day the Lord grants you in this life, here and now. Jesus is here for you. Your life in Christ is given by God, and he comes with healing. Baptized into Christ, you've been clothed with him, and your sin has been washed away. You are a child of God now. He's made you his own. In 1 John 3, the Lord tells you, Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Being God's children now is also looking to him who comes, but knowing still that we belong to him even as we look for that day to come. In that office hymn we sang a few minutes ago, preserve your word in preaching, the truth that makes us whole, the mirror of your glory, the power that saves the soul. O may this living water, this dew of heavenly grace, sustain us while here living until we see your face. And that's what God's doing in your life right now. He's preserving you in this saving faith in Christ until you do see him face to face when your faith ends. He hasn't forgotten about the now. He's your father. He cares for you, his child. You pray for things like his, your daily bread in this world, and he gives it to you. And he knows all too well what the world is in all of its darkness. The Son, though, has redeemed you from it with the price of his own blood and into his kingdom. So as you go through this life, here, now, have confidence, have contentment as God's people. Go running to where the Lord has found for you with his forgiveness, life, and salvation, here and now in his holy word and sacraments. Cling to Jesus as you cling to your baptism, his word, and supper. And never doubt for one instant that God isn't for you now, because he is. As you behold Christ crucified, you know that God, even right now as you sit in these pews, is for you. And as you cling to him and you think about the days when he comes again, you lift up your heads. Because that's your redemption that's drawing near. The same Son of Man coming on the last day is the same Lord who you have now, and you're his. So don't be afraid. Rejoice. Rejoice with great joy, for he comes for you and prepares you even for that right now. And together, we as the body of Christ, the church, we pray that Advent, with that Advent faith which defines your faith in this world, come Lord Jesus. That's our prayer, that's our confidence, that's our joy as we go through this world looking forward to that glorious day to come. And so now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the coming of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now 
and forever. Amen.